Well, welcome back to Jokerman Podcast once more. I'm Evan. I'm Ian. And today... And today... (laughs) Today... You can see how how often we've done this. Tonight's not like any other night, uh, you could say. Uh, Well, actually, it's like several other nights that we've done. It's a Warren Zevon episode of Jokerman Podcast, where we have a guest. But the thing that's special and different is our special and different guest. It's Will Meneker from Chopo Trap House. Huh! Draw blood! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, w- I wish we had one of those keyboards with the, that, where it has that sound. Zevon sound effects board. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Like those shitty Yamaha keyboards have that always in there. And it's like, that's him. Boys, uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure to be here with you. And I'm, uh, this, is, uh, this is the first time someone's invited me on a podcast to talk about Zevon. And uh, I, could not, I could not be more uh, thrilled to be with you here today to talk, you know, the God. You know, I mean, what, what else is there to say here? The king. The man who's uh, influenced my personality and musical sensibility. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's Warren Zevon in the fall. And if you guys do a Marky Smith fall podcast, oh, please have, uh, me on back, have me back, back on for oh, that. But <laughs> Evan's, uh, Evan's uh, encyclopedic knowledge of the fall. So we're going to get there eventually. Yeah, you know, there's probably a there's a British person who uh, is a, a friend of the show who probably has dibs on the first one and then you know there's going to be an ample opportunity to cover the rest from of what the i understand there's records a, there's a few fall records out there so yeah I'm sure we i can, mean uh, yeah <laughs> this is a concept that can run and run boys exactly it's you know it's the it's the content uh that keeps churning uh where did you where'd you start with zevon well where'd you had because you're uh you're a lifelong new yorker warren zevon authentic angelino where'd it come Cali from boy yeah yeah well, I guess like I, you know, I, I'd have to go like my my first real experience with Warren Zevon was I was introduced to him probably first time ever through the Martin Scorsese film The Color of Money. Mm, if, you'll, mm. if you'll remember the famous Werewolves of London scene in that movie where Tom Cruise just like clear just runs the table playing pool for, hustling for money, Hell and yeah. he's just he's, he's just one long tracking shot. He's just circling around the table singing like you know lip syncing to werewolves of london and like doing his like karate moves with the pool cue and you know like werewolves of london you know that's the song i think like everyone hears on the radio and it was a song i i, I really liked and i really associate with that movie that's one of my favorites and then like you know, like most people, it's like the singles, you know, Lawyers, Guns, and Money, World's London. And then I think it was like, oh, man, I don't know when I was like, I got into the, like, once I, un- once I unlocked the albums and just started like, hey, I'm going to listen to the album that, like, Lawyers, Guns, and Money is on, like, Excitable Boy. When I got mm. into that, and then I think really, like, for me, the key is when I heard the song uh, Desperados Under the Eaves. Ugh. Like, for, for many people, like, I think that's kind of his masterpiece. Like, that song, like, it's just, I think it's the... I don't know what to say. It's just, it's just a song that moves me more than like just about any other piece of art in human history. Yes. And then like and then from there I became like a Zevon completist and like it just yeah like it's just it, it to me like his catalog is is just so rich like from the beginning to the end and like especially those last couple albums like a the ones where he didn't know he was dying, but like oh, yeah, all of the songs yeah. on it are about dying. <laughs> it's insane. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was the big one for me. And I, I just learned that recently that he didn't actually know when he wrote "My Shit's Fucked Up." That yeah, or was. "Life Will Kill You." Yeah, that's the and the that's the title of that record too. Is uh, yeah. "Life Will Kill You" from like two thousand? 
Great record. And then I remember, like, yeah, like there was all the coverage of when he when he was dying and the sort of like heroic effort to to get the the wind, the last album, yes, out in time with all of his friends, like you know, Tom Petty and Billy Bob Thornton, and you know, like all all, all the stars to come out for Zevon and like his last Letterman appearance, and then like you know. Obviously, going through the Letterman catalog of his of his, uh, of his legendary legendary appearances on the David Letterman show, um, but yeah, like uh, so so Zivon to me is, you know, like I, I I won't be stepping on too many toes of uh, listeners to this podcast or you gentlemen, <laughs> but I think is, I mean shit, like I, I know you're up up there with Lou Reed, but like for me, like Warren Zivon is the greatest like American singer songwriter. Hell yeah, no, 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 no uh, arguments there. There's a case to be made, 100% case to be made. And I think that's kind of what we're gonna do today a little bit. Um, I mean, there's there's a a few who are like all sit on the same Mount Rushmore of like those guys. Uh, I think what's so great about Zevon is that he still always has felt like, and I mean, this is part of the tragedy of Zevon is that he never achieved like the like heights of commanding success that he might have right. deserved to, or right, that not like a in. John Cale, you know, who right. We, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he's always just had that status of like your favorite musician's favorite musician, exactly, your favorite exactly. songwriter's favorite songwriter, exactly. Which probably would make him really like frustrated and sad to hear over and over again like uh like it did to many artists i mean but he's still someone that we can feel protective of you know like he still belongs to like just this this small select club as opposed to you know the original uh subject of this podcast bob dylan has been heard by every living person on the fucking face of the earth you know so it's uh there is just like a an element of um you know uh personal relationship with warren zevon you know to me it's like what what separate Zivon from everyone else or like the, the the reason I revere him so much or like what is it about his music that it's just to me he has like such a literary sensibility as a songwriter in terms of like just what he can like the the amount he can do with the fewest like the like with the fewest words like what he can convey and just like his overall sensibility of like wounded romantic of like mm. a wounded rom- a wounded humanism that is like you know scratch the surface of any cynic and his lyrics are among the most, the, the meanest, the most cynical, and like the kind of like most despairing, but at the same time, the most genuinely moving and like romantic and yes. just, just deeply emotional to me. All right, let's uh, just wrap it up. Uh, yeah. That sums up Warren Zevon pretty yeah. well. We're talking stand in the fire here, folks. Uh, you know, listeners of the program may be aware, Jokerman Podcast. We like to go to the, uh, you know, sort of the nooks and crannies, the discographies, the uh, the lesser known records, uh, the the underappreciated gems, the diamonds in the rough. Uh, Zevon, you know, I would love to talk Zevon, Warren Zevon, Warren Zevon, Excitable Boy, Warren Zevon, but it doesn't really fit with the uh, the modus operandi of the show here. That said, Stand in the Fire live album from 1980 really gives us a greatest hits run of all of your favorite hits uh, and a little bit more than that. Uh, so it's a great way to kind of speed run all of, almost all of the great Zevon classics. Desperados, unfortunately, doesn't make the cut, but virtually everything else does. I'm so glad we got to do uh, Stand in the Fire because usually even among artists that I adore, like the live album is sort of like an also ran. It's not really like heavy in the rotation. Whereas this one, is like I'm, I make few exceptions. It's like this and like I don't know, Sign of the Times by Prince. But like this, this Warren Zevon live album. It's like you really get the effect of like what a live album can really do. Like like because it's like he gives you such a grand tour of like the the first half of his career, and then a couple B sides that I don't even know like never even showed up on albums. Like there were yep, just yeah. little surprises to me. 
that were that are Title all track great. There, yeah. yeah, stand in the fire. They're all. They're, when I first heard that song, I was like, "Holy shit!" There's a there's a Zevon song this good that I've never heard before. Yep. But yeah, like just the, the what he introduces into this, and we can get into it. The stage patter. Oh my god, this is <laughs> this, this album is like this is like a driving in in your car classic. This is like you know window down. You're p- punching the roof of your car. Just oh man. Stand in the fire. Title track, Stand in the Fire, like you were saying, Will, just like an all-time Zevon classic that this is the like this is it. Never made a record, never came out on a seven inch with a studio record. It's just like he nailed it live here at the Roxy in 1980, it should be noted, on the famous Sunset Strip in Hollywood. Uh, dedicated to uh, Martin Scorsese. Dedicated to Martin Scorsese also, yeah, the record. Uh, so uh, was Color of Money, that was after this, right? That was like 85, 86, something like that? Yeah, that was like 85, 86. Because, yeah, t- 1980, Tom Cruise would have still been too young at that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, But, yeah, like, I mean, what can you say? Like, uh, the title track, like, name of the album, I'd never, like, I, th- I thought I was, like, a Zevon completist. Like, I'd even heard, like, you know, the, the Preludes album of all of his, like, unreleased stuff before the self-titled sure. debut. Uh, but this song comes out, and God, what a what a starting gun for this album! Like it's just it's just what a what a fucking rocking uh, like fucking song. Just uh, just yeah, like you no, know, this this song really gets you into it and just just sets you like you know like fires you out of a cannon to start the, this whole album. Just like sets sets the tone and just totally. gets you moving. Like and it's just like the phrase "stand in the fire." As like kind of a metaphor for performing, yeah, perfect and, and, for a live and, and, record. Yeah, yeah for for a live record, like no safety nets. You're standing in the fire, and also just sort of the uh, the the self destructive glee of uh, Zivon the man himself, and you know, like <laughs> this kind of uh, yeah, this 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 high wire act that like you know he managed to pull off for so long. Yes, yeah, the self destructive uh, glee, uh, <laughs> a common theme that he returns to again and again. Uh, and again and again and again throughout his career, maybe a few times too often. Uh, but this is it, like kind of at its at its heights. Like the the this is the good times. Like we're going up the roller coaster. We're not we're not on our descent down, which will inevitably come, obviously. But uh, I mean, this when it sounds great like this, it sounds fucking great. I love how stupid kind of the lyric is also because he's just repeating "Stand yes. in the fire" again and again. Uh, and for someone who has such a like innate literary sensibility, this kind of like dumb guy appro- or like dumbed down approach to it is yeah. so like it's just great that this guy, maybe one of the greatest songwriters of his generation, like spends the first five minutes of this concert just repeating "Stand in the Fire" again and again and again, and it fucking rocks. There's something about his literary. His, I mean, this this show I think is tends to be about rock songwriting that comes with some kind of literary ambition. And there's definitely different versions of that. And Zivon's is actually, I think you kind of got to something there that it, it is kind of like wounded romantic, but also like mentally like brain damage romantic. Like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. He actually has like a kind of stunted, like willfully stunted, like maybe not willfully stunted kind of uh, approach. And like, this is a great example of that where he's like, okay, he's just doing like a fucking dumb, like cock rock song to open this record, a record that also has Muhammad's radio and like yeah. it played all night long. But he, he really uh, toes that line or like, that's the tightrope that he walks. It's like, 
How much am I going to go full um, yeah, bimbo mode? <laughs> Tropic Thunder, yeah, exactly. R word. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I know I, I never considered that, but I, I love the idea that this is his like, you know, stadium rock, like jock rock anthem, you know, because it's just like all you guitar players scalding hot, you know, like it's just the music's there. And like, a, see that red haired girl in the red silk dress? I'm asking <laughs> yeah, exactly. her to dance with me. She might say yes. I mean, because, look you know, at the like, cover no, but, like, of the fucking red. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, uh, like that to me is like, like, like that, the cover what they're about to uh, the red-haired girl in the red silk dress i'm asking i think i'm asking her to dance with me she might say yes it's the it's the couplet of uh, turning it back at the last second of saying she might say yes to me sums up like the zivon sensibility because he's like he's never like he like he's never like it's always this like ironic turn at the end it's never like oh like like i'm the rock star like you know yeah we're getting laid tonight boys like you know i'm the rock god it's always this this hint of uh, d- doubt and vulnerability and kind of like, uh, yeah, this, 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 um, this pessimistic view of himself in the world that is yeah. like, even, even in the simplest little two lines is like, he always, he always turns it around in an unexpected way. That's a great one to point out. Yeah. He, yeah. he never just goes fully straight ahead with it. Cause he deserves obviously all the confidence in the world at this moment in time in particular, like 1980 was kind of his peak in terms of popularity. Um, uh, Bad Luck Streak and Dancing School had just come out. Excitable Boy was a huge hit a couple of years earlier. So like he deserves to just like think <laughs> she's, she's going to say yes. She, it's not, she might yeah. say yes. And still, you know, he's got this sense of self doubt and, you know, sort of masked self loathing that uh, I can't relate to certainly. Yeah, yeah no, and like, and it's it's the mismatch between his like that. That's just so good about him is, is is the the ironic mismatch between the music and the lyrics always works so well because it's like it's yes. like you said it's such a bop it's such an anthem, but yes, like always the self doubt, always the self loathing, like always this <laughs> this apocalyptic view of the world and himself. It like by doing that, he actually is acknowledging that like these moments of doubt and weakness also can feel like paradoxically like that they rock or have like a weird like this energy to them he's like acknowledging the intensity of even weird little pathetic moments yeah um, that's that's a really good point yeah that's it that i mean again like this is why this is why this shit lands this lands like a fucking uppercut from tyson or uh, a, or like a shot from a gun yes well excellent segue needs a shooter is next and this is like easily one of my favorite live cut i mean live hits live record one of my favorite cuts from the record yes it's um it's it really harkens back to his earliest inclinations as a songwriter where he did uh frank and jesse james and what amounts to a, a play on like um uh just any old like cowboy ballad um about you know, uh, there's that one in particular. Um, what well, I mean, this this is basically his own rewrite of Blackjack Davy, um, or or in Bob Dylan parlance, uh, Tin Angel. This uh, you know, trying to run away with your lady, and then her her previous beau tracks you down and shoots you dead along the river. 
El Paso. Um, yeah, Marty Robbins, the classic. Uh, yeah. Those songs you mentioned are all the same song too, though. Yeah, it's a, it's a yeah. Very, <laughs> no, it's the same one. And like and, and like and like El Paso. Like I mean, the song is written for, from the perspective of a guy who's already dead. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. and like there's the classic Zevon like story song. You know, like <laughs> this this is uh this is this is a yeah a, a, a tragic and you know ironically funny story. This is this isn't like the. The real, the real heartbreak, uh, the real heartbreak ballads, or like this is this is like yeah, the classic Zevon story song, you know, a little like country infused. Um, but yeah, again, great, just brilliant song. I, lo- I love this one. I was born down by the river where the dirty water flows, and a cold wind cut through me. It cut right through my clothes, and the anger and the yearning, like fever. sets up the context for these more intimate songs though by like yeah. peppering in throughout his whole career these songs that are kind of like broader or like more like narrative that's kind of silly like like roll in the headless roll in yeah like that's or, uh, another hit one some that's, hit somebody the, the yeah, hockey, yeah. Song. hockey song yeah. Yeah. or even lawyers guns and money to extent like yeah. there's these songs that kind of like imp- or the envoy a great example i could mm. go yeah. oh yeah but these ones that have like Kind of this like Team America fucking like bit like almost like South Park like like for lack of a I, I don't even know why I'm making this comparison but like a like <laughs> big picture kind of satire yeah feeling and then he he's really t- goes in for other songs with the minutia of individuals more yeah so. it's just like there there are songs where he he lets you inside like the mind of someone and then there there's songs where he like relates the life of someone. Or like yeah. the, the tragic circumstances, he tells a story, like or the uh, yeah. or the whole world, like totally. yeah, yeah, global perspective, <laughs> like songs. the envoy, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like the envoy, uh, based uh, on a real person who I believe was Bill Clinton's ambassador to Lebanon. Yeah, he's like, I mean, uh, you know, it, I think you guys have said it on the show a, a zillion times, but like Zevon really feels like just like the personal like incarnation of like the whole Chapo ethos. It's like it's uncanny almost the way he just like predicted everything three decades in advance. Seth said he was a conservative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we're often we're often accused of that ourselves, but right, exactly. You know, yeah. I mean, who knows what he even believed? It's not important. He believed in having a good time. Yeah. Well, he was sure. <laughs> yeah, he was hard too much. Actually. It was hard as hell on ex-wives. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's just keep rolling here because we got a lot to hit. Um, excitable boy. Well, I mean, <laughs> I'll just say that that song "Genie Needs a Shooter" is about a completely misguided macho uh, persona of, of this guy who gets killed um, for being uh, totally out of touch with uh, pursuing a woman, and then "Excitable Boy" is just like, I'm sorry. It goes back directly to what I was saying earlier, which is this is literally a song about severe brain damage. (laughs) 
I mean, like Excitable Boy is probably like the 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 most popular, like the best, well, the most well known example of what I was talking about earlier of the yeah. hilarious mismatch between the tone of the music and the melody and the lyrics and like the way he <laughs> sings it because the places he goes in this song and like the the the, the sing songy way in which he gets there. Of the you know, speed like, of a like yeah a, a, a serial killer necrophiliac is essentially <laughs> what this song is about. Excitable boy, they all said. It's like saying like you know the guy he was always a quiet neighbor. It was just oh yeah, that's just that's just him. He's just he's an excitable boy, you know. It's incredible. Uh, like probably uh, the uh, most joyous sounding song that has ever been committed to tape that includes uh, the words rape and kill. Uh, it's just, it's just like an infectious fucking sing along song with the most fucked up dark lyrics it's, that you can possibly. It's imagine. it's just it's it's so jaunty and, uh, and and fun and yeah no but uh was it like built a cage with her bones yeah oh, you can God. just see oh man and it implies that the character is um like I never thought about it before but kind of suggests that he's well off enough that he's just like he's let out of the home and like. He's, everyone just kind of shrugs off the behavior. Like he's deconstructing toxic masculinity from the upper middle class, Evan. Don't you know? Yeah, that, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> that's what I was saying for sure. Uh, also, the sequel to Little Susie by the Everly Brothers. Uh, the, the little oh, Susie, stop. the little Susie in the song is that little Susie because he played in the Everly Brothers backing yeah. band and in you, the seventies. Oh yeah, and you can really hear the Everly Brothers' influence on this song. With totally. Like the, ooh, like the little the backing vocals yeah. and exactly just, yeah, like so yeah he's doing the, that that kind of like the a more he's taking the Everly Brothers like their their sound and their influence on him and 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 doing this kind of like one of these sort of like lovesick ballads from like the early era of rock and roll but making it in like you know post seventies yeah about a serial killer <laughs> he also should be noted uh, for this whole entire performance but this song in particular along with a couple others that come later. He sounds like the devil. Well, he went down to dinner, hit his Sunday best. Excitable boy, they all said. And he rubbed the pot roast all over his chest. Excitable boy, they all said. Like he has come yeah, out of yeah. the pits of hell and <laughs> is just like, like screaming into the microphone with the force of all seven circles of fire and brimstone and bullshit and like he sounds incredible on this record no and like this is what i mean about like like very very few of the live recordings where like the live part of it really makes it like why wouldn't i just listen to the studio for the studio of this, exactly. Like, on the regular, yeah exactly like but like it's because of like the the raggedness of his voice in places that you can hear just it, like it does it doesn't make it like he's not singing it badly he's he's killing all these songs but it's like in the, in the little it's in the imperfections of it that you really it really communicates something additional to what like the already perfect studio recording does yeah you can just like picture him in your fucking mind up there on the stage of the Roxy just like I mean the, the cover photo like encapsulates yeah. all of it just like gyrating and shoving his pelvis like out into the crowd and there's these crazy like lights that are flashing all over the place like it just looks like the greatest rock and roll concert you could possibly ever hope to attend it was the reason I ever listened I, probably anyone would listen to it it's a great choice for a cover I love the contrast between the front and also the back because he just looks like <laughs> kind of a fucking doof here he <laughs> 
looks like a dork. Like that. Exactly. That's like it, like like the the front cover. You can see like the energy he's bringing is just is rock god. But he's dressed like kind of other than his long hair. He just has these big glasses and he's dressed kind of conservatively. He like, looks like a grad he, student. He looks like a dork. Yeah. Like, but the swag is just undeniable. It's just lim- a limitless swag. Yeah, that's that's what the next uh, like live uh, record that they dig up out of the archives will be called. Lim- Warren Zevon, Limitless Swag. I don't think that Swag was the thing. I don't think he knew about Swag, but he knew about Swag. He you he, he you know he he had a sense for it. Um, Mohammed's Radio. Oh man, what's like, this, this song is, about? Can't... <laughs> it's about Islam. <laughs> it's a, well, it's about the it's about it's about the malaise of the seventies. It's about you know like uh yeah like. Uh, Again, like I, I, I don't I don't really I couldn't really tell you what this song is really about other than I think like my interpretation of it is it's like, you know, his very sardonic encapsulation of like the, the, the Carter moment in America. And like, you know, like and you can like I said, like it's one of those moments in this song where like the imperfections in his voice like made me really kind of like a line in his song really resonate with me in a way that it never had before listening to the studio version of it on the um on the self titled debut album when he right. goes you know, even Jimmy Carter's got the highway blues. It's Such like a the great way he line. sings it. It's just like that to me sums up what the song's about because it's about like you know, like like even the Ayatollah, you know, like and so from the Ayatollah to Jimmy Carter, everyone's listening to Muhammad's radio, and it's like you know, like the the OPEC oil strike, the Iran hostage crisis, and just like Jimmy Carter mm. and the and gas prices. Uh, it's like this, yeah, this very wry sardonic encapsulation of uh, yeah, this moment in American history that's that's gone now, but like still perennially relevant. They work all day. They still can't pay the price of gasoline. And meats. I was just gonna bring. I was right. just gonna bring it up. I love that. Still can't pay the price of gasoline and meat. Meat. The price of gasoline and meat. Yeah, and alas, their lives are incomplete. And it's just like that's what I mean about like alas, their lives are incomplete. It's just like the the shortest, simplest little like rhyme with meat, but again, just introduces this like mournful like existential that's like like instantly relatable it's like because yeah if you can't afford food and to put gas in your car like yeah your life is incomplete and that's such a, <laughs> it's such a funny or like ironic way of like simply encapsulating like the despair of like, yeah. you know america and uh it's this that, yeah it's this it's this it's this kind of uh like I said, exquisite resignation to like yeah. mediocrity and kind of like also ran status or declining power as a nation. Yeah, diminished horizons, but, totally. I mean, I, yeah, I, I didn't like, uh, you know, I, I don't think, I don't know, I don't know if this is intentional or not with like the title of this song, Muhammad's Radio, but I always thought it was funny, like, like a funny, like, like meaning to read into the song is like, Muhammad's Radio is funny because you cannot depict Muhammad, obviously, like yes. that person uh, visually. Jesus. So I love the idea of Muhammad's radio station where you can, yeah, you can absolutely represent <laughs> his voice, or what he sounds like. Yeah, yeah. Muhammad was a podcaster. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's one of those lines or choruses, I think, that uh, like hasten down the wind um, or accidentally like a martyr or something where like it's, you kind of don't, ever know exactly what he's getting at when you're reading the words on the page right but like the way he sings it the way the music sounds behind it kind of yeah. like the emotion and the spirit that he puts into it like you just hear him say it like you, you get what he's saying you know even if you don't get what he's saying he he'll, he's a poet you know but he really picks and chooses when to employ like one poetic idea which might just be a line like like muhammad's radio or hasten down the wind or uh 
the uh, what was the third one that you mentioned? Accidentally like a martyr. Yeah, accidentally like a martyr is a great example where it's like he believes in whatever that line is, even if it's a little abstract, a little out there. Right. And then the he sells it by having a song around it that feels really cohesive emotionally. Lyrically. Yeah, it makes sense to him. You know, he believes it, so you can believe it, even if you don't know what the fuck he's talking about. Literally, yeah. it's it's like to me, it's like the equivalent of people that try to parse every detail in a David Lynch film because they think totally. it'll unlock this mystery. Where it's just like, no, like people who think they don't make it doesn't make sense are people who try to like view every clue like a detective rather than people who just like watch the movie and let it like sort of commune with it on an emotional level because then is what that's when it makes sense. And even if you can't really like explain it in a one-to-way one-to-one thing of like oh each each i can tell you like what the blue key meant to him at that moment or like this is what would unlock some fucking greater like uh you know rosetta stone to figure it all out it's like no that's not important it's 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 the it's the emotional truth of it and the emotional veracity of it is so deeply felt and like like you know desperados under the eaves like i could tell you my theories about what i think that song is actually about but it's just like the fun is in interpreting it and like just sort of what it means to you the trees look like crucified thieves like he really does go out there with the poetic imagery yeah. uh pretty often but it's peppered through it like that happens in the midst of werewolves of london type songs so, right like which itself is actually like kind of like what we call uh when when bob dylan gets into a certain um lane what we might call wiggle mode. Um, <laughs> the song Wiggle Wiggle by Bob Dylan. Um, I'm sure you know. Well, um, I'm not familiar with that one. <laughs> I'm shocked. Do you do you agree that Ian that that Werewolves of London is kind of a wiggle mode, like wiggle pill type of sort of? Expression? Yeah, he is in he is in wiggle adjacent mode here. I mean, this one is hard to like, and this is the next song on the uh, on the set list, so we can just keep rolling right along. It's it's sort of hard to to think about from that uh, perspective, just because it has like this is when when you say Warren Zevon to ten people on the street, nine of them if they even know who, who the fuck he is, they think werewolves. Um, and like you were saying, well, with like Color of Money, it's got that whole thing. It's just like turned into like the song of Warren Zevon's that anyone who knows him yeah. knows. It's got like uh, which is which is great that he had such an amazing big hit like this, but also like I feel like it has kind of been robbed of a little bit of the not subversiveness, but like the uh, you know whatever degree of artistic merit it had initially because it just kind of got turned into a like kitschy like sing along 
barbecue know, song. Barbecue song, exactly. Which is a great thing to have no, it's as great. well. There's no shame in that. You know? It's actually, and as I'm thinking more about it, it's it's not that different from anything like Subterranean Homesick Blues or like uh, any of the earlier Dylan, like Everybody Must Get Stone. Rolling Stone, Stone yeah. yeah. Or Rainy Day Women, I mean, you know. Yeah, uh, but like... But unlike all of those songs, like, I mean, this this one is obviously the most popular Dimon song because it has, like, such, like the piano in it is just so catchy from the first yeah, notes it. of the song. <laughs> just that over and over again. It's it just, it's so catchy. It's, it's, a, it's a real earworm. And, you know, like, the, 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 the lyrics, like, don't really matter. You know, like, you could tell why this was his, like, the, the breakout Warren Zevon song. Right. It's just Warren's feel, like really put on a plate for you. It just had yeah. his energy. Uh, I did have the thought recently that he's a little bit like, like the American John Cale. Because, because he literally did study with uh, avant-garde classical musicians as a young man. Yeah, plays Warren. piano. Yeah, right. And plays piano and like goes really gross out there sometimes like literally he's screaming and like i don't know there's there's a certain willingness that they share to get really foul in the context of rock music um, yeah and throw themselves out there uh in a way that's like sure I, I think they just they they meet at a couple points they're very different guys but, they meet um, in well, that they are the the locus of jokerman podcast yeah Sure. Well, the uh, the the cool thing about um, this this version, this live version of Werewolves of London, is that he adds in like a whole one or two other verses that yes. you never heard before. He includes shout outs to James Taylor and Brian De Palma. Brian De Palma. So you know, you know, <laughs> Brian De Palma. Yeah, when you, yeah, yeah. When you got Brian De Palma again, like you know, uh, you got no complaint. In fact, you know, I'm loving it even more because like uh, yeah, all the added verses about the werewolf and what he's up to. I don't forget Jackson. I saw Jackson Brown walking yeah. slow down the avenue. Yeah. You know, his hair was and, perfect. And when he says, like, then they're looking for James Taylor. You better stay away from him. He'll rip your lungs out, Jim. And he's looking for James Taylor. Like you bring up Jackson Brown. I remember there's some detail from um, one of the various biographies of uh, Warren Zevon, but it talks about like this is a time when which like Jackson Brown was basically like his only friend in the music industry. Yeah, yeah. like after he'd been like <laughs> did, you know in and like out of rehab and like disowned by most people. And he, uh, the, the the story goes that he showed up at Jackson Brown's wedding and pulled up in a car in which he was firing a revolver out of the driver's side window, screaming, Jesus we're going to run him out of town. We're going to string him up. <laughs> <laughs> so I just think of that when he shouts out Jackson Brown when he says, we're looking for James Taylor. Like, I'm just thinking he's going to hunt him down and kill him or something. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Bite his throat out. Yeah. I mean, he looks like the kind of guy who would do that on the fucking cover of this record. Um, Jackson Brown, I, I want to know more about their friendship, actually, because like, Jackson Brown seems like such a sweet man, and yeah. uh, by all accounts is. And this is this is just like it, I imagine it being a little bit like a, like a great buddy comedy. Oh yeah, yeah. Warren and Jackson both seem like such like distinctive like mid late seventies Los Angeles personalities, but just like the id and the ego, but just like the yeah. complete opposite ends of whatever continuum that is from like psycho mode to just like chilled out, good vibes, playing the guitar kind of stuff from Jackson Brown. I should mention that I just saw Jackson Brown play yeah. live. Um was it good? Yeah, it was nice, you know. 
cool. I, I was the youngest person there, and he played <laughs> uh, like at least three songs about how he's not racist, and you know, it was good. It's important I, to include in all in all your live performances. It's it's just very sweet music. Uh, he sounds great. He's uh, he looks healthier than most Americans. My dad's a big uh, <laughs> Jackson Brown guy. I'll get there eventually. Uh, he again sounds like a devil uh, or a werewolf, literally, in this song. Um, always love the lines about Trader Vic's and the werewolf eating beef chow mein at Lee Ho Fuck's also. It's just, uh, you know, he's, it's those little lines. I don't know. Like, that's just, that's like a, a quintessential Zemonism. <laughs> Looking for a place called Lee Ho Fuck's, gonna get a big dish of beef chow mein. Like, the only person I can picture writing a line like that is Donald Fagan. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Would, yeah. It would come out yeah. completely differently. Um, I also like that in the uh, the original recording of this song, he he cycles through, he shuts out both Lon Chaney and Lon Chaney Jr. You got yes. to <laughs> you know, because in a lot, you know, you know, I don't know, I don't know if you may be aware or not, but it was actually Lon Chaney Jr. was the Wolfman, not his dad, <laughs> who was the Phantom yeah. of the Opera. Warren Zevon, apparently a big uh, movie mindset kind of guy. Oh yeah, dedicating definitely. it to Marty with all these movie uh, references and stuff in here. He's. He loved, he's got loved some, like, pictures. Got some, some film reference, but he's also a huge book guy. You know, he's probably one of the right. most well well read rock stars of all time. Imagine he read a lot of uh, you know Dashiell Hammett, Raymond Chandler. Oh yeah, of, yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. You know, all the noir, James Elroy kind of stuff. Speaking of which. <laughs> Our James Elroy yeah. book come to life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably his masterpiece of, uh, of uh, a certain kind of masterpiece, of right. a certain type of writing that he does. I mean, it's like that desperate male ego. Like, th- this is kind of a very particular corner that uh, gets totally given the, the Hollywood treatment on this song. Like I'm a desperate man. Like dad, get me out of this, you know, like, yeah, uh, dad. and, um, <laughs> and you know, like, I uh, like, you know, a, a great piece of like, you know, cold war satire or like, you know, again, like, you know, just this, um, like, very simple, but like, just like hilarious encapsulation of like, you know, a, a American cold war mindset. And once again, like from the first two, first two lines in the song, I went home with a waitress, the way I often do. How was I to know she was with the Russians too? You know, once uh, again, it's like, you can't just be taken home a waitress the way I always do, you know, like I'm the man. But then again, it's like, how, how was I to know she was with the Russians? Like, you know, he's just like, someone's just destroyed his life, you know, but he can't help it. He can't he stop says, himself. Yeah, I, he, She was with the Russians too, almost implies that this just happened previously. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like this just happened. In media reds. <laughs> this is yeah. the second night in a row that he's, fucked a, a Russian spy by mistake <laughs> and gotten like kidnapped uh, the riff also I mean like we haven't talked about the music too much because obviously there's so much to talk about just on the lyrical uh, uh, standpoint with Zivon but just like I, I can't imagine more and like anytime this the studio version and especially this live version with the when those fucking guitar chords come in I'm just like 
I like I'm, I'm throwing my head back and getting whiplash. It sounds so fucking huge. Also should be noted, like, because, you know, I think there there could be, you know, sort of baby-brained uh, interpretations of a lot of Zevon stuff like this or Excitable Boy, uh, where, you know, he's he's endorsing tox toxic masculinity or whatever. But, like, a song that doesn't make this set and one that I've always loved is, like, Veracruz. From, oh, such um, a heartbreaking song. Such yeah. a great song and such a really thoughtful and considerate and, like, shockingly kind of ahead of its time, like, like anti-colonialist It's about, a, about American imperialism. It's exactly. about the first really imperial president, uh, fucking uh, Woodrow Wilson. I heard Woodrow Wilson's guns. Yeah, it's like... Well, actually, Teddy Roosevelt, I guess, would be the first. But yeah, I heard Woodrow Wilson's guns. Yeah. It's just like, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the, the guy that can write this song and the guy that can write that song. It's just like fucking... It's, ama it's, well, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's because his songs like this, his songs about like tortured, uh, pathetic, fucked up men with too much power or none like those <laughs> yeah. are uh those only really work because he's like at risk of being it's like that quote about like fascism like like a critique of it is only compelling by someone who's tempted by it um, right he's kind of like that you know he's definitely not there's been times when he wasn't just tempted he was like in the shit of like being a man who's not doing the right thing and then waking up how many days of his life and knowing that he did the wrong thing and writing a song about it. Right. And like, and Lawrence Guns with Money, it's like, there's not that many lyrics in it. It's not that long a song. Like, there's only like really two verses in it and then just the chorus. But to me, it's just like, it, once again, a perfect encapsulation, like a perfect short biography of what I imagine basically everyone who worked for the CIA and State Department in the <laughs> 70s, 80s, 90s. The people who managed like the, 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 the second Cold War in America. Yeah, exactly. They put this song on and uh, they just enjoy it like completely straight faced, like with no degree. Yeah, it's of, like, like how guys in finance love They're American like, Psycho, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or Wolf of Wall Street. It's like, damn, yeah, yeah. that that's me. <laughs> yeah, that is me. <laughs> my, my life a song. <laughs> my life a song. That's definitely yeah, my life a song. My yeah. life a song sounds so like imagine fabulous. Imagine say, as a brag though, my life a Warren Zevon song. <laughs> you know, then you, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's like red flags all over. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you're either having a really, really good time or uh, a really, yeah, really bad time. <laughs> it's a good time to bring up that, uh, you know, I I don't know how many times I've had I've been like to a, a, a girl like Warren Zevon, you know, uh, that song Werewolves of London, that's him. But you know, he has other stuff, too. You gotta watch out for that. You're you're treading in dangerous waters with that, brother. Brother, it's it's it's. Wish it's, it's, it's it weren't so. You know, yeah. what, what, uh, we're doing the the work of you know getting the three women who listen to our show to. Um, I have also go. Uh, I have Excitable Boy on my dance playlist for my wedding at the moment. I don't know if it's actually gonna a, make the final cut, but like fingers well, crossed. Uh, brothers, just know that there is hope. I have successfully after. 
after fitful starts, uh, you know, like a, a, a bit of trying, I have successfully Zivon pilled Catherine, oh, and all, and all yeah. yeah, and all it took, all it took was once again Desperados under the eaves. There you go. There it is. When, once you heard that song, it was yeah, it was all over. This episode of Jokerman Podcast is presented by DistroKid. Over a million artists rely on DistroKid to distribute their music and get it into all of the places it needs to go. Your Spotify's, your Apple Music's, your YouTube's, your TikTok's, your Tidal's, your Instagram's, and any other streaming service of note. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy. With unlimited uploads and artists keeping 100%, that's right, 100, all of them, folks, of their royalties and earnings. DistroKid comes with tons of great features, including Mixia, which allows DistroKid users to put the finishing touches on their tracks in just minutes, getting a customizable and polished end result that anyone can feel confident in before sharing it with the world. The DistroKid app is available now on iOS and Android. So go to the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store to download it today. Yeah, that one, and uh, I've got Mutineer going too. I think that's going to be. Uh, oh my god! Oh my heart! My heart! It's like what we don't get yeah. on this record is any of that other side of Warren's. Well, you don't get like music, you don't get really, really like the kind of like the second half of his career, but like this, yeah. this yeah. is this is just like Some, all the fucking, no something yeah. bad happened to a clown, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what we do get is like you uh, alluded to earlier, Will, uh, another song that just appears nowhere else, which is the sin. The sin. Yeah. How are you gonna pay for it? It's like the closest he gets to like a new way, like straight up new wave type of sound, I think. Like, yeah, totally. It sounds almost like a different artist. Um, a little bit punky, pretty, yeah, a little kind yeah. of. Like Elvis Costello, we almost. Yeah, 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 definitely. Like Elvis, Elvis Costello is more like almost like proto goth type sounding stuff. I mainly uh, like from this song. I just think like the the one thing that always stands out to me is the line. Now I'm not saying that you should give a sucker an even break. I'm talking about the times when which you were cruel for cruelty's sake. Oh. How are you gonna pay for it? How are you gonna pay for this end? So like once again like. Yeah, like no, it's like again, perfect Zivon sensibility. Mm. It's not a sin to to rook the gullible and and yeah, con yeah. and abuse and exploit people. No, the <laughs> the real sin, the, the true evil, is being cruel for cruelty's sake. And I kind of agree with that. Like I think yeah, that is yeah. like kind of an interesting like moral view of the world. It's a profound idea that's just in this um, one song and a song that never makes it, but it gives you kind of a hint into his songwriting uh, process a little bit like this is a really good line and there can be a song built around it. And I think it's a compelling enough idea to, to make that work. Totally. And just the idea that like the, the sins that you'll be called to account for when you're dead are like not the sins that everyone does on like a day to day basis, which are you yeah. know, like, you know, white lies. I don't, know, I don't know, cheating on your taxes or, you know, like stepping out on a, a girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever. It's it's the sadism. It's, it's the things that in which you, you cause harm to people for no other reason than it delights you. Right. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting in the light of everything we've been saying to think about him, you know, as this like totally uh, 
he you know he's totally guilty of all of these petty and not so <laughs> yeah. petty crimes <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, this yeah. song is kind of like yeah i know that i am fucked up but like you know that i'm right about this thing presumably uh somewhat inspired by uh like he was going through his divorce from his wife at this time like, they were you like, don't say yeah exactly so like i can i can sort of imagine that being a you know a lot of the kind of uh you know uh fuel behind writing a song like this and then b also the reason this song never made a record um because uh, yeah. it uh you know, in the light of day, maybe a little mm. little ways down the line when, when he had a cooler head, didn't seem like the kind of thing he wanted to commit to wax, you know, for well, it's pretty icky. It's pretty gross. I uh, mean, he already committed the French inhaler to wax, which is just about the most yeah. brutal. <laughs> the most, that, up there with no Vaseline is just about the most brutal diss track anyone's ever done, except it's about uh. your ex-wife. <laughs> yeah, poor, poor, pitiful me. It's just okay. like I, this is easily one of my favorite ones of Boys, all time because it's that thing. It, this is like this is about at exactly the halfway point in this live album, and this is like this to me is the highlight of the whole album because yeah. like this yeah. is a song that like again like you know a, a great song, but I it never really uh, it like when I heard it on Standing in the Fire though this version of it just unlocked the whole hidden chamber like this is a totally different song to me than the one that's on the album because of like just how hard this song goes long guitar solo and the when it really just kicks in the breakdown and then okay like and this is the moment that i've been waiting for because this this is the moment <laughs> on the live album that has just like where he gets into like the patented zivon stage patter and when he just starts going where's george gruel yeah, yeah. george gruel my road manager my best friend get on stage and dance get on stage and dance or i'll kill you and i got the means i said where's george gruel Oh God, that's just so funny and so cool, and I just—you could just hear like that. You could just feel the energy and just like how much fun he's having, and just that that whole room is just just rocking. And then just like I said, like the long guitar solo in this when it just like it just kicks up. I, like if I'm listening to this in my car, I have to like be, make really care be really careful. I'm not like blatantly speeding because like I just like it's just my yeah. foot just gets heavier and heavier on the acceleration. The, the landscape just rushing by slightly and oh, faster God, and yeah. faster. Uh, uh, it's it's his it's his best song. Oh, I mean, it's it's. I mean, any uh, any Zevon song can be yeah, his best song at a given best, moment. Best like best like rock bop. I mean, for my money, it's probably poor, it's probably, poor, pitiful me. I mean, just that the chorus, <laughs> poor, poor, pitiful me. These young girls, these young won't girls, let me be, Lord have mercy on me. <laughs> yeah, it's just once again like he's <laughs> the victim here, you know, like you yeah. know, and it's like it, like the fact that it, the, the song is fully aware of that irony is just like is what exactly. makes it so exquisite and and perfect. You know, I, I lay my head on the railroad tracks, waiting for the double E. And <laughs> once again, don't like come no more. Just, <laughs> the railroad yeah. don't come no more. Yeah, just <laughs> trying to kill yourself by having Failing. a train run over your. Head and failing. <laughs> 
that was always like and trying to kill yourself just because you're getting laid too much you're getting too much pussy (laughs) exactly yeah Yeah. Uh, you know normally i say that i can't relate to songs but um i have to make an exception here. yeah exactly this between that and the you know the railroad fixation and and threatening to murder your manager just like all things that we that we all are very very related to yeah, trains, you know, something we all think <laughs> yes, so much about. <laughs> uh, trains, having sex, and wanting to kill yourself. That is, that is the holy triumvirate of, <laughs> exactly. uh, yeah. you know, what, what makes a man, you know? Yeah. Uh, his, uh, so his best song is, is Poor, Poor, Pitiful Me. I love that he also just mentioned, uh, just briefly, the, the Jesse James line, like she was just like Jesse James. This song also comes on the first, or it's not the first, but the, the self-titled, really his first uh, debut record, Warren Zevon, that starts with Frank and Jesse James. Like just the way that he does that and he, he meets this girl in West Hollywood, like I feel like he does a really good job of just like creating the Warren Zevon like universe kind of yes, thing with these yes. characters and place names and like the way they pop up in different songs and in different contexts, like he's got a really, just such a such a tangible, well-defined sense of time and place and worldview. Um, you know, he rocks. Uh, sleep when I'm dead. So much to do. I mean, to go from Poor, Poor, Pitiful Me right into I'll Sleep When I'm Dead. Like I said, these yeah, songs a seamless to me, transition. It, this like, is, musically, yeah, they, it just goes right stop. into it. Yeah, it, it no. just doesn't stop. And like I'll Sleep When I'm Dead, again, like another, like that song just does not let up. And on this live album, like just to go from the energy of Poor, Poor, Pitiful Me into I'll Sleep When I'm Dead, like these two songs here, this is like the climax of it. And then he sort of, he it's a slow bringing you down to like the, the really heartbreaking final song on this album. But like these two songs, these are these are the like this this is the most rock and roll. Like th- this is this is rock and roll at its apex. You know, like uh, just b- both songs. Like again, there's no pause in between them. They don't let up. Listen to these songs back to back. This is just like you know. This is like I don't know. Like what 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 Jesse Ventura must have felt shooting that minigun in Predator. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's that is what this is like. Yeah, it's almost like a little uh, song suite or something. The uh, I've got a 44 Magnum up on the shelf, and I don't intend to use it on myself. I'll sleep. I fucking love that line. Well, I, I, he in the recorded version says, uh, "If I start acting stupid, I'll shoot myself." And I, I took that moment where he doesn't say that. I was actually kind of like, "Oh, like, did he just have like? Is that like hit too close to home for something like recent near?" this performance like is he like not trying to talk about killing himself so he's like all right i i don't want to do that but i'm I'm not gonna use it what's the next best thing i'll use it on uh, george gruel yeah i mean well i mean like that again like that's the funny like that's why his genius as a songwriter is the things that he doesn't say yeah i got a 44 magnum up on the shelf i don't intend to use it on myself but like i mean what that implies is that he's going to kill someone with it he's going to (laughs) he's going to to murder someone with this 44 magnum but it's just not suicide uh, yeah, uh, he's got. There's a gun in the song, and no matter what way he's going to employ the lyric, like somebody is dying uh, after yeah, they, the song. They call that they call that Zevon's gun. It's a literary. Yeah, Zevon's gun. Yes, Warren's, yes. Warren's gun. Yeah. yeah, it will be fired into his own mouth. <laughs> no matter what, once it's introduced. Yeah, but um, 
Yeah, and like I mean, I mean, I mean, who 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 does he? You know, what's left unsaid here? Who does he fire the forty four magnum at? Uh, the audience and anyone listening to these two songs back to back. That's right. Because you're you're dead after this. Like he 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 R.I.P. He just killed the Roxy with these two songs here. This is. I mean, like, if the album could have ended here, the album could have just ended yeah, here. It really could have. Yeah. And, and actually, the album does end with the next track. <laughs> okay. We're we're talking, we're running through the Spotify version, which is a little extended based off the original one. But this is we're coming in for the landing on the original record. Bo Diddley's a gunslinger takes us out from the original version. Just another, just one off, unique creation that never well, saw any other recording. It's a cover. I think. It's a cover. Oh, is it a cover? Yeah, it's a cover of Bo Diddley. Bo Diddley has Bo Diddley is a lover as a record, and Bo Diddley has Bo Diddley is a gunslinger. Title of track is or the first track is this. Uh, it's just a song about how in this record, Bo Diddley is a gunslinger. You're right. Bo Diddley's a gunslinger. Bo Diddley's a gunslinger. Bo Diddley's a gunslinger. Like his affection for Bo Diddley and covering this Bo Diddley song goes back to what I said, like about Warren Zevon being your your favorite artist's favorite artist. Right. If you take that out one more degree of like the who are like the like the hidden gems, like the guys who inspire everyone, the guy who inspired all of them is Bo Diddley, and that's equally In, true yeah, for our boy Marky e. Smith, who regarded Bo Diddley as like the greatest musician of all time. He was obsessed with him. He was the only the only musician that Marky e. Smith ever met at a music festival that he showed any respect or like kindness <laughs> to was Bo Diddley. He was the only one he didn't throw a bottle at or just harass or abuse in some other way. <laughs> but yeah, like uh, Bo Diddley was like yeah, a true rock and roll innovator like one of the truly one of like the most unheralded but greatest of all time and like you know anyone who's a rock musician they all they almost all of them and you can read this in like so many biographies or if you'd like dig into the catalogs of like just just any like major influential rock artist they all they all revere Bo Diddley above basically everyone else right yeah he invented uh in Warren's own words uh, about Bob Dylan uh he invented my job. His job, is what man. He said, yeah. My dad, my dad was a huge Bo Diddley fan. I think he actually got the chance to see him live one time. But oh, he said, really? Like, he said, yeah, Bo Diddley was like, like his sound, like for rock and roll, is that he was the guy who, he was the guy who played his electric guitar like percussions, like like a drum set. Yeah. Like he made he made the electric guitar sound like like a like a like a percussion section. Like he Hell played yeah. the guitar like the drums, and like it's just that that raw stripped down like rock and roll beat like that that's that's Bo Diddley and it just it makes and also like the 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 perversity of his song lyrics and the stories he tells it's just it matches perfectly with Zevon's sensibility yeah and you, you listen to this kind of music like I really I've been thinking about this a lot lately but it's like I I live in Los Angeles and I go to fucking shows at Zebulon like everybody else and uh when somebody plays Anything that's even, even if it just comes on the PA, like when a song is like actually just rock music, like old school rock and roll, I feel like if everybody kind of is breathing like a little collective sigh of relief, like people actually want to hear this stuff played more now. And I think like, I think it's time for it to sort of make a, a return. I feel like we need to turn off rock music and just turn it back on again for people to like remember how great the simple things are 
Like Sounds like you're pleasures. advocating for a return to rockabilly right now. <laughs> well, to, to, uh, yeah, well, music, music that rocks. Music, I mean, like, music uh, that, that rocks. Goes, uh, should, yeah, yeah. Thank yeah. you, Will. Yeah. To music that rocks in a simpler way, a simpler time. Like, it was when rock. It was when rock music wasn't self-conscious. This was like before the right. Beatles changed everything. Someone should come up with like a like a saying or something that they repeat again and again <laughs> on their dumbass podcast. Something like uh, I, "I love, love I rock, love rock songs. songs." Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, hey, if, hey, brother. If if you don't love rock songs, I, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to hear from you. Hell yeah. Uh, this is when rock music wasn't self-conscious, but it was like full of humor. So, like it didn't need yeah. to be fucking self-conscious. It was swag. Right. You know, it just had swag. Exactly. Um, yeah, and so then the record, uh, well, this version, the Spotify, or for uh, you know the folks at home to make your lives easy, we're just going based off the Spotify streaming version. Uh, we get uh, a couple other songs that didn't actually uh, take place, I think, in the set list where they're appearing on the record, but they're just kind of tacked on here at the end. You can hear some weird kind of cuts in between them. Um, but they're, again, four additional just all-time Warren songs, starting with uh, Johnny Strikes Up the Band, the... Uh, first track for excitable boy which is such an anthemic like just like a, we're back to kind of stand in the fire mode back to kind of bimbo mode just like revving up the audience and having a good time i mean the, i guess the, this is probably the song on this album i probably have like the least to say about i think it's a great song Same. it's just like i you know like it, it's it's a fun upbeat song but it's just like you know I, I love the album version. I like the live version, but it's just like to me, like this this one is the one that like resonates the least with me, probably. Which is like, which is to say, it resonates a lot. But like, I, I this is probably like the one I you know that's like the most like you know off you know like if I would substitute one song out on it would probably be this one, right? Yeah, not the most uh, essential here. I do love the way that he pronounces projects in here as uh, prohe. <laughs> in some sort of uh, weird, I'm guessing, nod to the Latino heritage of Los Angeles. But um, Freddie getting ready, rock steady when Johnny strikes up the band. Uh, easy as that. Uh, played all night long. Grandpa pissed his pants again. He don't give a damn. Brother Billy has both guns drawn. He ain't been right since Vietnam. Sweet This song is like we talk when I talk about his like uh, his cruelty and like not giving a fuck. This song is just uh, you know as a Gucci man just uh, you know uh, 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 implored people not to do is dissing the dead. He is taking a whole he is he is just taking a huge piss on like the smoldering wreckage of Leonard Skinner's plane. Uh, yeah. And it's but like so God, good. what a fucking haunting song! Yeah, and, and like when I when really... I first heard this song, like I I had no idea. Like it was just I had no idea what to make of it. The lyrics were so weird, but the 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 sound of it, the melody of it was just so stirring and eerie, and like you said, frightening. Like it's just. Yeah. It's it's so like uh, God, just like the the plaintive, like uh, repetitive. Mm. I, I I don't even know how to describe it. This this song in any version gives me. Chills. Same. Chills. It's it's one of his. Uh, it, I didn't even put that together consciously, but just like Kale's Heartbreak Hotel, it interpolates a song that everyone knows into it in this way where it's um, completely changing the context and um, 
really makes you like reflect on things. It's another example of a rock song reflecting upon the already the very young history of rock music, but it's just like one of these great landmarks of the first time that was done in a way that was really artistically daring and fulfilling um and happens to be really I mean fucked just, up. I mean like cuz it cuz the song really it makes you it makes you sing that sweet home Alabama like that yeah. that chorus I mean, yeah, that's but like, the riff, but like exactly. it, but just changes the meaning of it like so intensely. Sweet home Alabama play that dead band song. You know like just like <laughs> the brutal. ultimate the ultimate kiss off to Skinner and their fans is just like that dead band who sung about the south and like and, you know, and they, they, you know, they were from Florida. They weren't even really from the South. <laughs> but like uh, the like horrific, horrific and mean portrayal of like rural Southern life. Sweat, piss, jizz, and blood. And blood. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, and and like don't forget, Daddy's, Daddy's doing, doing Sister, Sister Sally. Sally. <laughs> Grandma's dying of cancer now. And then, yeah. uh, as, as as Letterman said to him in one of his Letterman appearances, he about this song. He was like, "As far as I know, and like we've researched this, you're this is you're the only songwriter in history that has ever worked the word brucellosis, brucellosis. into a song." You know. <laughs> I love how ugly and mean spirited the song is on one level, and then at the same time, like paints sort of a sympathetic portrait oh absolutely this is what like, i mean about this like this wounded humanism like it is such an incredibly mean song but do you listen to it the feeling in it is just so heart-wrenching and just, mournful uh, just, um, it's so mournful and just and just tragic it's just yeah totally it, it, it transcends just eat like sort of like cheap easy mockery of yeah. people from the south or like leonard skinner and their exactly fan base. no i mean weird al doesn't make songs that are sad you know this no is yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah but this is kind of what happens when you like do something where you take a song and parody it and then you think about like you know it's there's caricatures that are like goofy and there's caricatures that are grotesques and this is a real grotesque caricature yeah. or like this if you were to compare this song to uh to weird owls canon this would be the equivalent of weird owls dare to be stupid which wasn't yeah, a like yeah, power yeah. it was a it was an original it was song but it was done of. in the style of devo right but he did it he did a devo song so good that like mark mothersbaugh wanted to kill him for it he was just like yeah. <laughs> It, it probably stung a bit. That, like, yeah, he, he was like, he wrote uh, a better Devo song than I can fucking do. Beat him like, in his own game, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, the live version also is just incredible. The, like, the cut we get on this, right? Just the way the band, because you get this, this, this one really rides that synth riff, I think, all throughout, and that's a, that's oh, a yeah. tone that they don't use a whole lot through no, the, through the set. You really don't hear not, that. I'm not a big yeah, time synth guy, except for on a certain record. Later well, on certain, yeah. Bigger. But like on, on this record in particular, when those synths come out, come through, like it really kind of, it, it's a really gripping kind of striking sound. And the way they just like drive it into the ground for the last 90 seconds or something is like, it's, it's got that kind of funereal quality to yeah, it. Yeah, no, you know, it like seems the, like it's the, like a dirge. Military dr yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, man. It's. It's fucking brutal. One of his greatest. What a, songs. What, a, what, a, what a stunning song that to me is like but, one of his best songs. Like it's totally the, the most singular. Like the most sort of stands apart from all of his other work. As just like, just yeah. Like it's. It, I have no idea where that song comes from. No man, one other than Warren like, Zevon yeah. could have ever written that song. Yeah, it's it's incredible. There ain't much to country living. Sweat, piss, cheers, and blood. Sweet. Play it all night long Sweet home 
does have uh, this sort of martial quality to it, and it does reference Vietnam. He, he, Brother Billy has both guns drawn. He ain't been right since Vietnam. Um, Vietnam. And uh, that sort of idea of like the actually talking about empire and, and trauma and warfare um, actually is something that pops up again and again. And I feel like it might be you know, it's kind of at the core of that song um, in some ways. He then goes into, or the record goes into Frank and Jesse James. Yeah. Um, which actually he starts with a sort of uh, piano version of, it's the beginning of um, Desperados. Well, I mean, Desperados and Frank and Jesse James like have a very similar kind of melody. So I don't know that it's like meant to be that in this version necessarily, but I think that's kind of part of the thing of the whole first record is it starts with Frank and Jesse James and ends with Desperados as sort of a cycle, and it's like sort of the same song. It's a, it's a history song. It's a song that when you listen to it, you learn a little something about American history. That's right. Yeah. He really uh, t- tickles the ivories on this one. This is like a very jaunty piano song. Once again, the irony is that it's a, it's a pay-in. And it's like a hageographic portrait of these like <laughs> Confederate marauders. Murder- <laughs> yeah, murdering gangsters. <laughs> these, mur- these murdering gangsters who like, you know, uh, didn't want to end the Civil War because they wanted to keep owning black exactly. people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, like in, in transposed to like the great myth of the American outlaw and the bank robber, it's like, you know, the... Uh, they wrote against the railroad and they wrote against the banks. They wrote against the governor. And never did they ask for a word of thanks. You know, <laughs> like it's just, <laughs> it's just like, yeah, like these guys are murdering innocent people, but like they're doing, you know, they're stealing from the rich. So, they're doing I mean, they're it not, out of the kindness of their they're hearts. Not, they're not giving to the poor, <laughs> but like, don't we all wish we could do that? Don't we all wish, you know, it's like the Goodfellas thing. You know, yeah, people who yeah. went to nine to five jobs and took the train to work were fucking dead to us. Exactly. Yeah, they wrote against the banks and the governor. Who doesn't want to ride against the banks and the governor? And um and like for this one like when it really breaks down and like when it gets to the piano part and it's like dun, 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 dun. this is once again like when I'm listening to this song in my car I start I'm, I'm driving if I'm on a straightaway I just start bouncing in my seat and imagining right. I'm riding a horse <laughs> I just I can't help it I do it every single time yeah I mean it's a romantic song about being a, a complete degenerate you can take um, it on complete face value and just like yeah. not think critically whatsoever about anything that he's saying here and just like oh it's, you know, it's a song about cowboys you know and he's being romantic yep. about the American West but then if you could just take that one step beyond and think about like oh uh, after Appomattox they was on the losing side I wonder what that <laughs> means <laughs> there's like this whole other fucking of, uh, degree a dimension to this thing it is it quintessentially Zevon the only other person the uh, only other songwriter I can think of who does this uh, as well and as often is Randy Newman. Uh, yeah. Who, yep. I mean, yeah. Sail Away has a similar <coughs> mission uh, or a similar. Or just I, I love LA approach. You know, I love yeah, LA. Exactly. As well. oh. Yeah. I mean, there's uh, and short people is not that different <laughs> from Excitable Boy. You know, yeah. just like making a song that is like utterly. Uh, yeah, just yeah, it's just despicable, so but like, wrong. but it, but it's, yeah. he's it's despicable, but like he's daring you not to have fun and like exactly. sing along with it, you yeah. know? Yeah, indicting his audience. Um, 
Frank and Jesse James, all-timer. And then uh, closes the set, at least. And it sounds like it's the last song of whatever, because this concert was recorded over five nights and stitched together from a couple different takes, a couple different nights. But whatever night, Hasten Down the Wind, last song on the set, was and, recorded. This clearly was the closer, and it deserves yeah. to be. Because he brings and, down you know, the like, and, and he, uh, and he, you know, he, 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 you know, it gives the most stage patter at the beginning of this song. He has a long-spoken intro to the song where he talks about how, in his words, this is the song that interviewed, <laughs> intervened between my between myself and starvation, thanks to Ms. Ronstadt, Linda Ronstadt's cover of this song. I think is like first real money that he made in the music industry. Yep. But he just says like, you know, when I wrote the song, I was like, you know, <laughs> strung out, fucked up, and he's like, well, now I'm just fucked up. But <laughs> you know, like, uh, the, the, you know, like uh, this is a very personal song to him because it was like, you know, the, the 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 first song he wrote that he I think he ever got any money for. But man, uh, this song and it's just him on the piano. And it's just it's just him and a piano and his voice. And like this to me, it gets back to like this is like the quintessential Zivon. This is what made me fall in love with his music is that like he writes the most utterly painful, the most excruciatingly painful and heartbreaking breakup songs of all time. Just that like just for like and you know, the universal experience of of, of a relationship ending or heartbreak. It's just uh, he he captures it in a way that like there really no other artist like has ever done before or since in my opinion like it's just the lyrics in this song are just like just they're it just they 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 feel like it's just the the you just feel the pain of it so much and it just like he's holding on to half her heart but he can't stand the restless part so he mm. tells her to to hasten down the wind and just that phrase to hasten down the wind it, like accidentally like a martyr is just like such a poetic. I, like you could never dream of that phrase, but just like it's just like it's giving someone a kiss off to send them down the wind to to quickly, quickly depart is just man. Like it's just th this song is like to end to end on this song is just God, man. It's just the heartbreak. What can I say? Yeah, it's perfect. The econ the economy, I think, of the words here, and like knowing that he doesn't yes, need to go yes. any further because he just that phrase hasten down the wind. He got it. That's the whole song right there. We don't need much more beyond that. And so the um, the not like the self restraint to be able to just like keep the focus telescope so tightly in on that phrase, that concept, and just these couple few verses is and, like and you know. And what I love too is that like when Linda Ronstadt sung this song, like it's. Like to, to hear that song sung by a woman, it's like sort of from a woman's perspective, and then you hear it from him, and it's like it's like you know, you sort of assume the male perspective, but like, but, but like he captures both sides of it like just so perfectly, like he doesn't let anyone off the hook, and just in the chorus, like the the for the you know she's so many women, and the way he sings that, it's just like this is a universal thing. This is like every relationship, like every yeah. like you know he he she's so many women. He can't find the one who was his friend. God, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm serious. I'm gonna tear up right now. On the, <laughs> this is the first time I'm ever gonna cry. On a podcast, but like, Hell he, says, yeah. Yeah, he can't find the one who was her fr was his friend. Like, it's just uh, brutal. Yeah, it's a great line in that it clearly is about this specific story, but also she is so many. It's so many women that he's talking about all yeah. over. You know, ever, yeah, it's just, this is just well, like it's universal this, too. This and like, and it, or just a repeated pattern. And like, yeah, whether it's a universal thing of like this is a stand in for like a relationship that everyone's had or like the, she's so many women. I've been through this so many yeah. times in my own life. And it's the same thing over and over again. It's, 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 it's this a lot of meanings that one it's line. This, she's this so tragic women. predetermination of just like the inability to like break out of these like patterns of behavior in your life and like to repeat the same heartbreak over and yeah. over again. There's it's something just, about yeah. the, the title too, where, like you said, you know, hasten meaning it, it, implying like 
quick. It's like, get it over with. Let's yeah. like I know the another next one's coming. Just like just get out of here. Just 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 gut wrenching. Just it feels like just like a cold knife stuck in your gut. But like mm. or just you feel you feel like you know in your chest. You know that's what heartbreak really feels like. You just, it feels like a real physical sensation. And like yeah. it's just yeah like you like you said, like you said Ian the, the his economy of of style and just like just with the fewest words imaginable just like how much, emo- just how much feeling he can evoke in just like the simplest possible way is just it's it's stunning to me and like just what a, what an again like after an album that rocks so hard to like to just close it out at least on the Spotify version with just like this just very plaintive ballad is just it's so intimate and it's so personal like it's just yeah it's astonishing yeah clearly yeah. the way the whole kind of record i think should have and as good as great as bo diddley's a gunslinger is as a closer like this one really just takes it to another level i think also like in the performance that moment in the middle of it when he kind of like breaks out and he says turn up the house lights i've found the ones who were my friends and in <laughs> yeah. the audience like like that's Oh, that makes my heart melt. Yeah, and just like knowing who Zevon was and how, you know, kind of how the rest of his career would go and how he constantly kind of was searching for the uh, artistic um, uh, fulfillment and critical and commercial success that he had at one time and then kind of gambled away. And it's just like, man, it fucking breaks my heart just listening to that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit, if there's one part that it almost just is like a little too much for me, it's that one. It's like, it's almost, it's a little bit like, it's just so uh, close to poor sweet Prince. Warren. Yeah. Look at him. Uh, Love the guy. Yeah. The record just doesn't, uh, it doesn't have a lot of those sad songs. It doesn't have a lot of his more, um, his mournful ballads, which he's are probably my favorites of his, but it does have one that I think like makes up for, Oh yeah, you you only words. like you only need one, and like this is a live this. album, so you don't want to just like make people want to <laughs> put yeah. lay their head on the railroad track, waiting for the double <laughs> exactly. E after they leave the fucking yeah. concert. Uh, it, yeah. If it had been thirteen songs of all of his, like you know, uh, from genius to uh, you know heart uh, fucking um, uh, heartache spoken here, Betta Coles, uh what's the one? I, my one of my favorites, Yvonne lines where I never thought I'd be alone like this. Guess I should have been a realist. Yeah, well, that line <laughs> really sums up something that I feel like this record speaks to, which is like we talk a lot about Zivon being kind of like a desperate, like the poet laureate of like desperate men everywhere, and this this record kind of shows like his high octane, running as fast as he can side. Yeah, and he's the type of guy or the type of artist who you get the feeling like the minute he slows down at all. It all just like like the really dark, like deep, dark yeah. The, stuff the darkness just encroaches. Instantly yeah. starts yeah. rising up. <laughs> just he, he's constantly having to run so fast and yeah, belt so hard, scream so loud, just because he knows like he's just like, to keep the wolves t- at bay. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Takes a breather and he's writing fucking desperados under the eaves. Yeah. One of the great live records, maybe the great live record as far as I'm concerned. Uh, will we assign all of our uh, subjects a very objective, uh, precise rating, uh, star rating, one to three stars at the end of all of our episodes? Uh, that's all. No half, store, no half scores or anything. You just got to do one, two, or three, like the Michelin Guide. How many, how many stars for Stand in the Fire? Three. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> is there going to be anything, anything less would be a disgrace. That's right. Three stars, Stand in the Fire. Evan? Uh, I will also give it three. Thank you. Uh, but, you know, because what am I going to do? Give it two? 
<laughs> I'll give it three this time. Three stars and uh, a, a little uh, a little plate of beef chow mein. Um, yes, for, absolutely. Uh, Warren <laughs> stand in the yeah. fire. You can't yeah. do half stars, but you can add like uh, you know plate like of emojis, basically. You can add an emoji. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we as if you I'm invented gonna get- that, you know. I'm going to give it three stars and a little crucifix on which Barabbas the Good Thief was let off of. <laughs> uh, three stars and a uh, gun. <laughs> well said. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you, Will, so much for joining us. Uh, do you have any plugs for uh, our, 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 our uh, wonderful listeners out in yeah, the abso- abso- Yeah, absolutely. Well, obviously, Chapo Trap House, the podcast, check us out on Patreon, but... Of note to you guys and your listeners, we will be in L.A. performing at the theater at the Ace Hotel on October 8th. Mm. Tickets are available at chapotraphouse.com slash live. And if uh, both of you both of you gentlemen are in L.A., I'd love to put you on the list for the show. So we'll be in L.A. next month. Um, please come out and Hooray. see us perform at the theater at the Ace Hotel. Once again, tickets available at chapotraphouse.com slash live. Will Meneker, Chapo Trap House. Uh, you know the pod. Subscribe. Check them out on tour, folks. Thank you so much for joining. Joker men. She tells him she thinks she needs to be free. He tells her he doesn't understand. She takes his hand She tells him nothing's working out The way they plan And she's so bad he women And he can't find the one who was his friend So he's hanging on to half a heart He can't have the restless part So he tells her to hasten down the wind Perry, turn up the house lights I found the ones who were my friends She needs to be free Then she says she'd rather be with him But it's just a whim By which she hopes to keep him on the She's so many women He can't find the one who was his friend So he's hanging on to half a heart He can't have the restless part So he tells her to hasten down the wind He tells her to hasten
Thank you very much. Keep on rocking and take my love and fire con Dios. <laughs> <laughs>